Welcome to CII Radio. My name is Emran Hughes and I'm Communications Director of the Personal Finance Society and Chartered Insurance Institute. In this episode, I'll be talking to Rory Percival, regulatory expert, and Keith Richards, CEO of the Personal Finance Society. This episode of the CII Radio podcast, I'll be talking about what the FCA expects of financial advisors during the coronavirus outbreak. And I am joined by Rory Percival, regulatory expert, and Keith Richards, CEO of the Personal Finance Society. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, go to thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcast. Here's my conversation with Rory and Keith. <laughs> Hello, Rory and Keith. Thank you for joining me on CII Radio. Hello, Emma. Hello, Emma. It's a pleasure. So um, let's kick off with some of those questions. So in response to the coronavirus outbreak, how would you rate the FCA's response to explaining requirements for financial advisors? Rory, what do you think of the response? Well, perhaps not unexpectedly for an FCA person. I, I was, I felt they did reasonably well, actually. Um, I perhaps give them an eight out of a ten. Fairly early on in the whole process, they set up a, a dedicated section of the FCA website dealing specifically with coronavirus. And um, there's a section within that for firms, and there's a section within that for consumers. Um, and it lists out a whole. It's quite an obvious uh, menu to start with, and it lists out a whole list of areas where, you know, they've made some adaptions or modifications or taking a more lenient approach, which is reasonably pragmatic, I have to say. I think they've been as flexible and as pragmatic as they as they can be. Keith, what do you make of the FCA's response? Yeah, I would, I would agree with uh, everything Rory's just said. In fact, um, I must say the FCA reached out to the Personal Finance Society extremely quickly, as they did to other parts of the, uh, the, the market. But from a Personal Finance Society point of view, we had several uh, meetings with the FCA in the first two weeks alone. Uh, and uh, of course, we have the benefit of having past presidents and existing board and of course, many members who have fed into the society. And we were able to respond very, very quickly to things like the impact of the MIFID 2 uh, 10% reporting rules and asking for the FCA to consider relaxing those as we did with extending things like the 48-month advisor trainee requirements, uh, exam deadlines, uh, relaxation of financial returns. And all of that came through very quickly. So I'd agree with, with Rory. I think we've seen a very pragmatic side to the FCA who, who are very keen to make sure they support the market to end up delivering the right outcomes for, of course, the end consumer. And you mentioned their MIFID too. Obviously, with the effect the pandemic has had on the st- um, stock market, what exactly did the what feedback did you get from the FCA in terms of the ten percent full notification? <laughs> well, the, the FCA were extremely sympathetic to to the concerns uh, that the market were pushing back to them. I mean, clearly, for some, in the very first week when the stock market crashed, we had, in particular, some of the larger firms had to package off letters uh, through the first 10% drop. And then literally within two days later, they had to send another letter out because of a further 10% drop. And that, and that really didn't do, didn't provide any real tangible benefit to the end consumer. It certainly created a lot of administration work for uh, advice firms. Uh, and the FCA were really quick to, to recognize that particular point. I mean, of course, 
it is a MIFID rule, not an FCA rule per se, but but I've got to say I was very pleased with the way they responded literally with inside a week of relaxing that requirement. Rory, what did you think of the approach on the 10% full notifications? I think it was sensible making that change. Um, the change is effectively saying that if you have sent out a 10% notice within the current reporting period, you don't need to do a second or third or whatever if they apply. So it's kind of limited to one per quarter. The slight downside is that they announced this in the first few days of April, which for most people was a was a new reporting period. So people would ha- still have to send out the next ten percent drop, and in fact, we haven't had one, well, not for for main markets anyway. So if there is another drop, firms will have to send out a ten percent notice. But then, if there's a further ten percent drop, they won't have to do it again in the same quarter. It, they they could have gone a little bit further and set, and kind of taken the view that clients who are in these kind of assets where a ten percent drop is likely have had one or two of these notices already. We are in the same crisis. So, you know, clients do know what the situation is. So, they could have said, actually, just for the time being, you don't need to send out 10% notices. One other little qualification is that they haven't changed the rule. Strictly speaking, if you don't send out the second and third notice, you have breached a rule. They haven't changed the rule because they can't change the rule. It's a MIFID rule, so they're not allowed to change it. And even if they did want to change it, they'd have to go through a consultation process typically. Now, what they've said, however, is if you don't send out the second and third notice in the reporting period, we won't enforce against you. You know, we won't find you, we won't mind or whatever. We won't, just won't take any action. But you had technically still broken a rule. That's an important thing to note, I feel, Rory. Um, another thing that's obviously been taking up a lot of financial advisors' times in recent years has been the senior managers and certification regime. How has the pandemic affected that, Rory? With the senior managers regime, there's actually been quite a few um, practical changes. There's a lot of sort of notification requirements around uh, the senior managers regime. And, and largely, there's been a easing of what you need to notify. So, for example, anybody who's familiar with the senior manager regime will know that there are, there's a small list of prescribed responsibilities. These are the specific responsibilities that have to be allocated to individual senior managers. If there's a necessary to make a change to those to, as, as a result of pandemic, for example, if somebody's um, off sick or, or, or worse, of course, then you don't have to notify the FCA of, of that change responsibility. Uh, certainly not in the short term. Obviously, if it's a permanent change, then then yes, you do need to notify them. For another change would be if through through illness or whatever, sometimes there's a or perhaps being furloughed, there's a need to reallocate a prescribed responsibility to another senior manager or, or even somebody who isn't defined as a senior manager, but who is taking on that prescribed responsibility for the short term. Now, at the moment, normally there's a 12-week allowance for that, that you can do, you can manage changes or short-term covering within 12 weeks. They have said that you can extend that up to 36 weeks if necessary. So again, a little bit more flexibility. Uh, it's not something you can just do automatically. If you do want to go to beyond the 12 weeks, you'll have to um, get the FCA consent. But it's a, it's a, again, it's one another one of these pragmatic uh, changes. They've also said you don't have to allocate uh, responsibility within the firm for dealing with coronavirus to an individual, but you do need to allocate responsibilities uh, appropriately across your firm. And as we all know, senior managers regime is all about fundamentally it's about running your firm as a professional firm in an effective way. So 
that's very much the trend with the FCA these days is how you manage your firm. So there's still the requirement to, 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 to manage your firm effectively, quite clearly. Another issue that's been key in terms of regulation for financial advisors in the last few years has been pension transfers. Rory, what's the FCA stated about defined benefit pension transfers? Yes, this is one of the more recent notifications they put out when they were talking about pensions more generally, but then they went on to talk about DB transfers more specifically. Understandably, clients may well want to be accessing money at these um, constrained times and a, and a DB transfer may be considered as, as a source of money. So, they've taken a reasonably firm line in this area. They've basically said, you do a pension transfer if it's the right thing. Remember, it needs to be in the, clearly in the client's best interest. It needs to be suitable. The current market situation is not one that is more likely to make a transfer suitable. You still need to think about the client's core long-term objectives uh, and is not necessarily a, a source for a short-term fix. So they have taken quite a firm line in this respect. Keith, what do you think about the FCA's update on this area? Uh, well, the, uh, as Roy said, the FCA have put together a, a fresh guidance for advisors on DB pension transfers, which uh, we've also communicated out to members. And, and I think the key message really is that a lot of people are being given the, the potential risk warning, TPR, the pensions regulation later have restated to the schemes that they need to highlight the disadvantages of, of transferring out of the DB. So I think uh, unless it really is suitable, uh, the key message is for the time being that uh, you need to consider DBs very, very carefully. But frankly, Emma, it links into another problem that advisors are already finding anyway in connection with DB transfers, and that's the hardening PI market. So many advisors themselves are having to consider very carefully, even where they have clients with the needs, actually, whether they've even got the right level of cover in place. So uh, one of the other fundamental issues that has really come out of this lockdown period is those advisors who have got their PI renewals coming up during lockdown, uh, not least because it's a hardening market. But of course, insurers themselves are being impacted by uh, the working from home uh, and some of the uh, the administration challenges that they they otherwise face. So um, I suppose in terms of we've covered some of the guidance that's come out to date, um, can we expect further advice or guidance from the FCA in the coming weeks? Rory? I think this is it's quite likely. Obviously, as situations develop, as other issues um, come to the FCA's attention, this is very possible. Uh, one of the other helpful things the FCA have done is to set, set up a, um, an email alert system specifically for coronavirus. Some firms may be aware that you can subscribe to their regular emails, um, their quarterly emails on general news, but there is a separate one now for coronavirus, which you can sign up to and any developments that they do make uh, over the next few weeks, then that will be communicated out through that automatic email system. And Keith, what can advisors expect in terms of the PFS helping them with um, interpreting this guidance and what it means for their businesses? Well, we're already providing a lot of guidance through our weekly newsletters, blogs, and through our website. We're clearly turning a lot of our previously face-to-face -face content into digital as much as we can. But equally, I think as far as the, uh, the FCA is concerned, we're continuing a dialogue with the FCA and indeed other bodies, including FSCS and HM Treasury. So th there are outstanding issues at the moment. Clearly, a lot of firms are going to be experiencing their RMAR returns that during this period, quite a big percentage. So we are talking to the regulator about what flexibility 
uh, they might introduce, given that some firms are otherwise going to have to send staff into offices, and which probably doesn't feel very very good at uh, at this particular time of lockdown and, and trying to keep social distancing. And there are some other potential uh, considerations. We, we must remember that the FCA were about to go into their suitability too. There were other activities that they were about to announce. So none of that will stop. It's just at the moment deferred. So I think for the sector... The key message is we are seeing a very pragmatic regulator at the moment who is responsive to the challenges that that we're all facing. But as soon as things return to normal, there will be an expectation that standards have been maintained during this period. And therefore, it's it's really important that firms do that. And I've got to say, Emma, what is really pleasing is just how well the advice sector has responded to this whole scenario. I think many would be honest enough to say they just couldn't have imagined that they could have had their whole operation or their teams working from home in the way that they have and being able to respond to their clients, almost a seamless level of service. Now, clearly some are impacted more than others and those with mortgage operations, for example, are probably the worst hit. But generally, I think, uh, you know, we've seen a sector probably surprise themselves just how well they've been able to respond. And uh, probably just as importantly, uh, as some advisors have been telling me that they've now got 86-year-old clients who are completely tech savvy and uh, and are teaching them how to use Zoom uh, and team more effectively. Some really interesting points there, Keith. So Rory, is there anything you want to add? I think just a couple of final points. It's, uh, Keith quite rightly um, flagged the issues around the PI market. This is an area where the, the FCA refers to in its coronavirus uh, section of its website. Uh, and it is an area where it hasn't given any flexibility, frankly, and, and perhaps not unexpectedly. Uh, it does alert the firms to the fact that it has been talking with the International Association of Underwriters and the individual underwriters and brokers in the market who have told the FCA that a PI is available. We know it's a very, very hard market. But on that basis, the FCA is still saying you need to have compliant PI. I guess the final point would be if you're going to make any use of the um, leniency or pragmatic approach that the FCA has uh, has put out there on its notice. Do have a look at the notice in full. Um, it's quite accessible. It's not particularly long, but there are some elements of detail that you'll need to comply with in order to be able to take advantage of some of these lenient approaches. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it is interesting that um, the FCA have received feedback from the International Underwriters Association saying that PI is available. Interestingly enough, I had a, a meeting with uh, the insurers and brokers for the PI market who gave a very different response in that for advisors, if they can't secure renewal with their existing insurer, the likelihood of being able to uh, to get it with one of the other four is extremely low simply because of the concern. So the advice that we really need to give to the advice market is engage with your insurers, engage with your brokers as quickly as and as, as early as possible ahead of your renewal. Work with them. And if, if possible, if there's uncertainty, see if you can get an extension to your renewal. Because if you can't, there are, are significant complications. We are, Emma, taking that to the Treasury and to the FCA. We are pulling a lot of uh, feedback from members with real-life examples to, to give in. Uh, and I guess just finally, I'd like to say that, that you know, on behalf of the membership and, more importantly, their clients, we are engaging with government on requesting the introduction of a financial advice market review too, of which, of course, PI and FSCS were just two of the, the elements uh, within the 22 different work streams that came. So we're not giving that up. There are clear, clearly some challenges. So as much as 
The regulator is being responsive and should be commended for, for the way they've reacted. At the same time, we have got some key challenges and issues that, that we must continue to press on with. Thank you, Rory and Keith, for sharing that information with us and the listeners today on a topic that I'm sure will be of great interest to them. Thank you for joining us for this episode of CII Radio. To find out more, you can visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcast or visit us on Twitter at CII Group. Until next time, thank you for listening to CII Radio.